Playfield and Associates is based in Sydney on the traditional lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to Gadigal elders and to traditional custodians of country throughout Australia. From Claire Field and Associates, I'm Claire, and I'm pleased that you could join me for this episode of What Now, What Next? Insights into Australia's tertiary education sector, episode 81. And this time, the episode is focused on how technology is changing learning. But this time, it isn't about a particular kind of technology or even the broader ed tech sector. Instead, on this episode, I'm speaking with a designer in an architect's practice who works with education institutions on the design of physical spaces, classrooms, flexible learning areas, etc. Scott Allardyce from Spowers draws on his experiences in our conversation to highlight what's needed in the physical design of learning environments for really good hybrid learning. What do institutions need to do to ensure their students who want to participate online don't feel left out, right? Not just a camera at the back of a very vast lecture theatre. How can we create physical spaces so that the students studying online can fully engage? And how do you make those physical spaces more conducive to the on-campus students in their learning and their peer engagement? Uh, Before I get into my conversation with Scott, though, I should note that, of course, I've been thinking and writing about ChatGPT since it first emerged in early December, and there's no question it will require significant changes, particularly from higher education institutions, but also to a lesser extent in VET. Um, I'm pleased to be speaking about what it all means, particularly in VET, in an upcoming TAFE Talks webinar on the 8th of February. But more than that, I'll also be talking during the webinar about two other technology changes, which I think are going to bring major changes in both VET and um, in higher ed. And that's firstly, personalised learning and assessment, and secondly, um, augmented or virtual reality. And if you think you need clunky headsets for the latter, then heads up, there's technology being rolled out across the US school system, which brings legitimately good immersive learning in a laptop, no headsets required. If you're not registered for the webinar, I've included a link in the notes for this episode. And if you're listening to this after the 8th, then I think there's going to be a recording of the session available on the TDA website at a later date. And it will also be really good to hear the views of Dr. Suniti Rakari, the Director of Educational Quality at TAFE New South Wales, who's also speaking as part of that webinar. But before we get on to the new technology and what it's going to mean in the sector, here's Scott with what you need to think about to make hybrid learning online and face-to-face work seamlessly for both your on-campus and online students. Well, 
it's my great pleasure uh, to be speaking on the podcast this week with Scott Allardyce, who is an education designer and director, the architecture firm Spowers. I think I've said Spowers, is that right, uh, Scott? Yes, spot on, Claire. Yep. Brilliant. And now your practice has been doing a lot of work recently in the university sector, helping universities as they're adapting to greater use of online learning. And uh, you and I were just chatting. We talk quite a lot in the sector about good practice in how to structure courses to accommodate more hybrid, you know, online and face-to-face learning. But I think certainly in the conversations that I'm involved in, we have fewer discussions about the physical infrastructure that's required for good hybrid learning. So I'd be really interested. Can you talk us through some of the key design challenges in trying to bring together online and face-to-face learning? Oh, absolutely, Claire. Look, thank you very much for uh, hosting me today. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about this. And it's comes at a time, obviously, where there's a fair bit of, I suppose, contemplation off the back of, if you can say that, COVID being the disruptor that it was. And we're seeing quite a lot of, uh, if you like, paradigm shifts in education design and spaces and the way education is being deployed. You know, we've all, we've all been part of operating on, online over the last few years. And it's interesting to see how the universities and the learning institutions adapted to that fairly quickly and the evolution that then comes from that. And so what we've we've been having many conversations and are involved in, in current projects that are being delivered at, at this moment. And, and those discussions obviously are around the physical space and how that then supports the, well, the education delivery and the strategies that the universities want to wrap around that. Um, what's been interesting is that's not a one-size-fits-all. And I think you talk about the design challenges, but to start with, there has to be a conversation on how the online and face-to-face uh, delivery is wanting to be uh, taken forward by the universities. And there's been a really quite a bit of mixed sentiment there and uh, in terms of that direction. So there's a lot of conversation around that equity of experience for the online participant and the face-to-face learner within the, within the physical spaces. And uh, that's, you know, that raises a number of challenges. Obviously, it's in terms of, of technology, the idea of those online feeling a part of that cohort within the classroom, being able to engage, being able to be heard, uh, so the acoustics, all those sorts of elements. But I think stepping back from it, it's kind of a, it does raise the question for the universities around what, what um, format or approach is, in a sense, is there a dominance and a lesser dominance in terms of face-to-face and online? Uh, there is probably an overwhelming evidence that face-to-face learning is, is far more, uh, uh, in terms of the quality of the learning outcomes, the ability to engage with peers, the peer-to-peer learning. And a lot of this we're talking about the sort of small classrooms tutorial where there's a lot of conversations that happen, group work, etc. So perhaps the, the 30 capacity spaces. So we've always had sort of technology enabled monitors, laptops, devices, etc. that they can interface. 
but it's then how we tether the hybrid participants or the, the online participants into that in a very equitable and tangible way. And that's really the key challenge that we're seeing, but it comes back up to what is the, that dominant approach that the, the universities want to take. Got it. So so universities have been working out amongst themselves, like you say, post-COVID. Some have gone fully online for lectures and having students back on campus for tutorials and labs and things like that, whereas others have preferred to stick or go back to more face-to-face lectures with hundreds of students and, and I guess a bit of recording for people to make up sessions if they can't attend. So what you're suggesting is universities need to be thinking about what their dominant approach is and then working out the best design features to to accommodate both types of students, face-to-face and hybrid, in the, the model that they're pursuing. Yeah, and this obviously is then sprinkled with the idea of student experience and choice. Obviously, the modern university student is, you know, that they're juggling a number of different pressures, whether that's, you know, part-time work or whether they're they're doing studies as part of their uh, occupation. So I think there is there's a number of different factors that fall into this. Even pre-COVID, we saw, you know, the flipped classroom, the blended learning strategies that that you know brought some of the the things that you just mentioned. You know, universities were already doing that. But I think it was hyper accelerated then in terms of COVID. We're all pushed to online. So the uptake then and the familiarity with it changed headspaces changed those students that were, weren't keen to sort of, if you like, be an online participant pre-COVID all of a sudden perhaps uh, saw the benefits as we are. There's, there's pluses and minuses of uh, logging in online, whether that be a, a meeting in your occupation or a class as well. So, And obviously the, the, the content and the education delivery has been uh, through, you know, through necessity has been uh, attuned significantly to be more... Sure appropriate for online learning as well. Yep, absolutely. Now, I wanted to ask you as well, one of the other shifts that I've noticed is to more flexible learning spaces. And I should disclose, I really dislike them. I'm someone who, it sounds like bragging about a superpower, not that at all, but I have really good hearing and I hear too much noise. And so the idea of being, you know, these kinds of learning spaces where lots of people are working together in small groups and it's all very interactive and we're even seeing this emerging in the in the schools sector. Yes, it allows more collaboration and different groups of students to engage. Um, apart from old fuddy-duds like me who go, oh, it's all too noisy and I just wish it was quiet and I could sort of think, what's your view of these flexible learning spaces? I think it, it is horses for courses, Claire. I think the and a lot of it comes back to the quality of those spaces. So often the 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 experiences, and you sort of touched on the idea that you get distracted because there's lots of noise around you, you just can't focus on whether it be the group that you're with or so on. Uh, in some cases, that that overall environment acoustically isn't, and acoustics is key. You, you're spot on. And so I think well designed environments that are really considering that acoustic absorption, so it isn't an bouncy and noisy space, helps that. I think there is a 
there's the flip side of also being in that environment and having a more collective discussion and those positives. That's that's really seen to be uh, you know one of those big drivers of those more flexible spaces and sort of group-oriented peer-to-peer spaces. Um, but then there's you know, actually when you mentioned the sort of flexible learning, you're talking about the, if you want to call it a structured learning space. But then there's the informal learning spaces that often adjunct the structured learning environments. Uh, and they're also equally as, as useful and start to bring up a, a more of a perhaps a social agenda that, that weaves into those. And it's a little loose, especially in the university environment, spaces for students to, to reside, do group work, do individual work and, and creating different settings within those environments to enable those different tasks is really key. Got it. So uh, quiet spaces for the grumpy recluses, well-designed acoustic spaces for others to to be collaborating on. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, yeah. Sorry. Go. When you even talk about the you know the first question you asked about the obviously hybrid spaces, yeah, that then gives the the student that opportunity if they do find it you know, perhaps difficult to focus within that physical face-to-face element that the online might be a, a more suited you know, format for them because they have got that ability to. And often the, the way that it seems to happen is if you're in a class of 30, say, for example, there might be you know, 10 participants online, that they'll all group together in their little work group um, mm-hmm. so on. So, so I think you know, it brings another kind of uh, opportunity and another way to, you know, like I said, one size doesn't fit all. And uh, it enables different personal preference to come into into the educational offering. Got it. But again, it's about being deliberative. So, if a university, TAFE, or other inst- education institution, they're not all going to be able to build gorgeous new buildings necessarily. If they're looking at integrating more technology into their institutions to enhance their online delivery, what are the things that they should be thinking about from a, a design perspective? I think it comes back to a couple of key principles, Claire. Really, you know, when you're talking about technology in the education context, it is an ever-moving piece there, yeah? It's um, evolving. Obviously, technology you talked about, the school environment, so the kids coming in from from school into university are across across technology. It's a key part of uh, the fundamentals and their learning environments that they come out of school. So I think it, it really comes back to the principles, as I said, the idea that it's sort of intuitive and easy to use, an engaging aspect to it, so everyone can see uh, can see and interact with each other. So trying to you know really come back to these principles in all of these design phases. And that equity aspect, so everyone can can hear and be heard, um, and use you know the different devices that their their personal devices can tap into that. And I think the really important piece, one that we've actually carried through over the evolution of what we've done over you know so the last fifteen years, the technology doesn't dominate. That the technology obviously we've got to, we've got to link in with the 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 you know the online and the face to face participants but equally it is about that person-to-person interaction is is the key and that especially when you're talking about this is not a large lecture environment this is a small classroom 
environment, learning space environment, and really the benefit out of that teaching and learning experience is that that face-to-face technology there is as a supportive tool. And I think that that's really, really key. And with that, then you append that technology with analog type things like whiteboards and there's digital whiteboards, of course, and so on. So there's all those other the surfaces within the space that can be used there. But obviously that's a different kind of way of thinking about it now with to include the online participants as well. Right. And really underlying a lot of what you've discussed, Scott, is thinking actually about the students and the learners. In all of your answers, you've really gone to what is the student experience? How how is the the learner going to feel engaged, whether they're face to face or or particularly online? And before we got recording, you've talked about projects that you've worked on about engaging the student and educators, helping in the design of of projects. And I wonder if you could give us some more details on a what works and b maybe an example of the impact that that kind of engagement or consultation had on a project. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think part of that we really enjoy in in this space, in the sector and the design that we're work that we do are the people that are involved in it from, like you said, the students, the educators, the clients from the, from the property side, that's a really critical and important part, but also a really enjoyable part. Often these projects that come along, things that have been worked towards from a funding or whatever else for, for many years. So this is kind of the, the delivery point to, to make the best outcome for what we have, whether that be budget or space or so on. So so that so what we're we generally get is is participants that are highly excited and motivated to engage in this process, which is fabulous. As a as a you know, design professional, that's that's really exciting and, and makes our job certainly a lot easier to to evolve the design, to create that sort of co-design aspect and to really tease out what what uh, the key requirements and take it hopefully to the next next level and involve the paradigm. By an example, we did a project a little while ago at RMIT and that was a school, it was a school of media and communication at the time. It was a very disparately located school. I think they were in like eight different buildings across the city campus and beyond. So the, the project as a holistic project was about bringing them all together, of course, and bringing it as a singular identity as a school in one location within core of the city campus in Melbourne. And what we, as we were working through the teaching space design with them and with students as well, uh, what was coming out was sort of there's a lot of different programs that have a lot of different requirements. So there was sort of, you know, in a sense, say seven or eight solutions in terms of layouts and technology, et cetera, et cetera. So we started to sort of distill this down with them. And where we got to is we said there's a lot of similarities here. Feels like it's a very similar solution that can be almost a typical solution that we can deliver. And with that then gives a flexibility in timetabling, gives a sort of obviously an equity across across the different programs and so on. And so that was, and there was, you know, they're on board with that, but uh, there was still that little bit of nervousness, obviously, coming from where they came from. They've been teaching in certain spaces, et cetera. So we actually developed a prototype um, space, which was a bit of a stage set. It was a very sort of simple setup. We, we sort of 
taped in a bit of technology was a pretty big step from an educational design perspective at the time. But that physical environment, we then brought all the groups in and we just workshopped. So at the start of all that, I think three out of the eight groups were you know, generally on board with this typical layout. By the time we finished that, everyone was on board. And then it actually went on and informed other projects within the within the, uh, the RMIT portfolio as well. So it was, it was just stepping through, working with people, understanding, you know, that there, there's, there's, there's concerns and nervousness in terms of change, but also, you know, we've got to, we've got to, you know, do it once, do it properly kind of approach as well. So that was, that was terrific as a, as a process and then, and as an outcome. And this space is really successful, still are very successful going forward. That's absolutely fascinating. I hadn't even thought about, of course, you're going to run into and thinking about, oh, yes, how would you do things within one building or build a particular building? But of course, that's not always the case. And faculties or schools can be located in different areas. And like you say, having thinking that they have very specific needs, whereas in actual fact, once you have those consultations, there's much more in common and there are differences. It was a really interesting example, Scott. Thank you very much for sharing. And thank you very much for your time and joining me on the podcast today. It's been really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure, Claire. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about this. Terrific. Thank you. Thank you.